Welcome to Episode 5 of the Jedi Temple Archives Podcast. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Council are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given. Do you think you're up to the task? Welcome to Episode 5 of the Jedi Temple Archives Podcast. We're recording this episode on Monday, April 8th, 2019. I'm honored to once again be joined by my friend and host of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast, Tom Howell, as well as the special first-time guest we have this week joining us, Tom's wife and co-host on the Hyperion Adventures Podcast, as well as being a Star Wars fanatic in her own right, Michelle. Welcome to both of you guys, and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. It's an honor. Really great to be back with you again, Rob, after a week off. And you did a fine job last week uh, in in our time off on date night. (laughs) Well, the honor is all mine. I very much appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, We're going to go ahead and launch right into our main topic for the week. We're going to delve into the Jedi Temple archives and uh, explore a character that we've mentioned on a number of other shows, always promised to get back to, and that is Ahsoka Tano. Uh, and I don't think it's overstating it to say that within the Skywalker saga and the Star Wars universe, no character uh, is more important than Ahsoka, and yet she has been not dealt with at all in the films. Tom, I'm assuming you'd agree? I, I completely agree with that. I think she is a huge, huge personality within the Star Wars universe, and Michelle? Right, absolutely. Although, interestingly, when she first came out, I don't think we recognized that. Yeah, the, the, a little bit shaky to begin with when she first got her feet under herself uh, there during the Clone Wars, but uh, uh, by the end, she was definitely one of my favorite characters, for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I I would definitely say Ahsoka is one of my favorite characters as well. Um, and one that I think a lot of Star Wars fans would benefit from getting to know a little bit better. So with that in mind, uh, how we're going to approach this episode is most of the information that we are going to be uh, referring to and presenting is going to be taken from both the Clone Wars movie and animated series, as well as uh, potentially some information from the book Ahsoka and Star Wars Rebels, uh, time permitting. If not, we will come back and address kind of the later years of Ahsoka Tano in another episode. Um, Certainly her story arc hasn't been closed uh, within canon as part of her story is going to be potentially told within Clone Wars Season 7. So we're going to go ahead and cover some basic uh, kind of spoiler-free information about Ahsoka. uh, And once that is complete, we will go ahead and kind of give everyone a warning so that we're not spoiling anything for anyone. And those who would like to stick around and and kind of hear the spoiler full review of who Ahsoka was in her life is welcome to do so. Uh, And with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and launch right into some information about Ahsoka Tano. So Ahsoka was a Togruta female uh, and a member of the Jedi Order. 
Uh, she is a member of the same species as Jedi Master Shakti, if you're familiar with her uh, from the prequel trilogy. And the uh, Togruta were from the planet of Shili, and were known for colorful skin tones and kind of a white facial pigment. In addition, uh, they also had uh, what are referred to as Leku. So uh, if you're familiar with Leku, that's primarily going to be what you see the Twi'leks, uh, like the Dancing Girl in Jabba's Palace and uh, some of the Jedi that you run across. Um, and they have what are called Leku, which are large fe- fleshy appendages. They have two that come down over their shoulders. So the difference between a Twi'lek and a Togruta is that the Togruta have what's called Montrals, um, which are essentially cone hollow horns that sprout from the top of their head and contain extrasensory organs, as well as giving them the ability to uh, sense movement within about a range of 25 meters. And those montrels go taller with age. And they also have leku, so they have the two leku that come down over the shoulders plus one thicker leku. Uh, that grows in back, and those leku also grow longer as they age. So uh, that is how you identify a member of the Trigruta species. It really does make them kind of an ornate species. You really can pick them out in a crowd because it's really, it's almost like a lion's mane uh, around their heads, the way it's shaped, and uh, really interesting and uh, really uh, wonderful part of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, they're very exotic. Mm-hmm, for sure. That's a good description. So Ahsoka and her induction into the Jedi Order uh, came at about age three, where she was discovered by a Jedi Master named Plo Koon, who was a member of the Jedi High Council. Uh, he would be identifiable in the films, uh, in the, the prequel films specifically, as he tended to sit to Mace Windu's left in the council meetings, and also because he uh, wore a metal pair of goggles and a mask. The mask was called an Antiox breath mask, um, and it was designed to specifically help members of his species. Uh, he was a Keldor, survive both in space as well as in any oxygen-rich atmospheres. It delivered a mix of gases that mimicked their home planet of Doran. And uh, later on in her time with the Jedi, uh, she was assigned as Padawan to Anakin Skywalker, and that took place uh, sometime after the events of uh, Episode 2, The Attack of the Clones, and the beginning of Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. So she was pretty much out of Anakin's story uh, prior to the events of Revenge of the Sith, and that's kind of given as the reason why she was not really mentioned in any of the films. Uh, However, suffice to say she was incredibly important in the development of Anakin Skywalker and uh, developed a very important relationship with him during that time. Yeah, there's no question about it, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, when we get to the spoilers, exactly how much of a a part she actually played within his life, uh, within his actually growth as a Jedi, as a hero of the Clone Wars. Uh, She was a huge part of that, and and, uh, it was really interesting uh, to watch the progression, actually, for both of them throughout the story. Right, and it was great having somebody at her age be on the series, you know, and, and kind of represent that kind of a, a strong woman, but also somebody who has the fun-loving personality that she mm-hmm. did, the lighter side, you know, kind of a little mischievous or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I think mischievous is the perfect term for her. <laughs> 
what's kind of funny is that uh, Grandmaster Yoda had chosen to apprentice um, Ahsoka to Anakin Skywalker around age 14 uh, is when she was made his Padawan. And it was because Yoda had identified that Anakin had some significant attachment issues as well as a reckless streak. And his thought was that by uh, making Ahsoka Anakin's Padawan, that it was going to teach him how to have to let go as she grew older and grew into a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Right. And also it was it was expected by Yoda that it was going to somehow help tamp down Anakin's reckless streak, uh, which <laughs> didn't really turn out to be the case. Uh, as it turned out, Ahsoka was uh, very feisty and very independent and in a lot of ways a, a great match for Anakin, um, but neither of them really brought out uh, the other's best qualities. Right. <laughs> yeah, she really was uh, really a great teammate of his in many ways. Uh, she did have that mischievous... Uh, attitude that mischievous part of her she was she knew what to do how to do the right thing and would do the right thing even if it would break some of the uh, orders that were out there including from her master Um, but she also when they teamed up and and fought together in some of these battles uh, they were a a really uh, wonderful fighting team vicious uh, not vicious but uh, really skilled and efficient and they could really do some amazing things together yeah I think that anyone who's familiar with the uh, the story of Ahsoka throughout the Clone Wars would say that she's definitely skilled with uh, with her lightsaber or, you know, lightsabers as kind of she progressed and developed more of a two-handed fighting style. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of a funny story from the beginning of uh, Ahsoka and Anakin's relationship is that early on they had a fairly snippy exchange. Uh, I say that only partially tongue-in-cheek, but uh, basically what happened was that uh, when Anakin had uh, Ahsoka assigned to him as his Padawan, uh, he was fairly independent as as, uh, both he and Obi-Wan tended to be, and he was kind of railing against the idea of having uh, someone that he was going to be responsible for, and uh, Ahsoka kind of took that the wrong way and and made a crack at him that, uh, sounds like you're stuck with me, Sky Guy. (laughs) <laughs> to which she responded, uh, don't get snippy with me, Snips. Yeah. And uh, ultimately, those nicknames t- uh, stuck with them really for most of the Clone Wars uh, and were how they identified each other. Yeah, many, many times affectionately and sometimes to, you know, take jabs at one another. You know? right. I mean, and, and I don't know if this is a good time to bring it up, but from knowing Anakin just from the movies, it, it's sometimes hard that it seems so disjointed that how could, you know, him as a little boy who seemed, you know, adorable and then become vicious and brutal and, well, and whiny and brody before that. But this really brings to light some of the lighter parts of Anakin Skywalker mm-hmm. and, and makes the whole flow of the storyline be a lot more believable and i think having that interaction between the two of them helped develop that well in in the uh, the relationship yes between the two of them i also feel part of that was the fact that you saw him you know mostly you saw anakin in the films or whatever yes he'd be with obi-wan but he was really kind of looking out for himself all the time uh now that he has and yoda did a really good job of uh, of assigning uh, ahsoka to him because now he has this almost this little sister that he has to watch out for but also 
also a, a very skilled warrior and a very smart uh, Jedi, uh, Jedi Padawan anyway, uh, to go with him. But so it was it was really some affection there. And it was a really interesting uh, pair up between the two of them. That's true. And he probably wouldn't have done it well with somebody who wasn't skillful. You know, he needed somebody, I think, that could confront him maybe at sometimes or show him that she was skillful, too. And not just be uh, just take his orders. Also, sometimes put him in his place a little bit. I think she did a great job of that. Yeah, in a lot of ways, they were perfect for each other. Uh, in some ways, they mm-hmm, fed mm-hmm. off each other. Um, they clearly did a lot of great things together uh, during the course of the Clone Wars. Uh, and we'll get into that more on the spoiler portion of the mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's a spoiler to say that he would have had a problem with anyone that he felt couldn't hang with him or someone that he couldn't relate to. Uh, right. To Michelle's point, when you look at Anakin Skywalker, uh, I agree that in the movies there's a giant missing component to his fall uh, to the dark side. And really, you look at his relationship to his mother and his relationship to Padme and uh, the romantic right. nature that that took on. Um, and then you compare that to his relationship with Ahsoka, which is more the mentor-mentee relationship or... You know, in a lot of ways, uh, brothers and sisters in arms is um, right. probably the the better way to look at it. And uh, you know, he had uh, his entire life during the Clone Wars was tied to Ahsoka um, and the missions that they were on. He felt an immense obligation to her, uh, both to train her and to keep her safe. Uh, again, kind of highlighting his attachment issues. Um, and while in a lot of ways he was a positive influence on her and and kind of taught her to believe in herself uh they also he also had an aspect of his personality where he was the type to disobey orders. He was the type to question uh, the will of the council. And uh, Ahsoka was kind of pre-wired to, to go along with that kind of behavior. I mean, she was uh, fairly rebellious. She definitely had a mind of her own. And uh, when she would get the bit in her teeth and, and go off uh, and do things the way that she thought they should be done, um, there were definitely times that caused issues. Yeah. I don't think there's any question in that, and we'll get more into that when we get to the spoiler portion of this. But uh, she had a huge impact on his life, and uh, yeah, if you if you only uh, we we've mentioned this before on the show, uh, if you only know Anakin from the prequels. You really need to watch the Clone Wars because you really get much more depth involved in him and understand a lot more about Anakin. And part of that, yes, was this interplay with Ahsoka Tano for sure. Yeah, I would say that you really need to watch the Clone Wars uh, to understand the heights to which Anakin had risen as a Jedi, uh, the hero of the Republic that he was known as, uh, all the amazing feats that he accomplished. And yet at the same time, some of the the hints of the darkness that uh, popped up now and then and that the Jedi Masters surrounding him, you know, really completely missed. But the Clone Wars uh, really gives you that complete picture and helps you understand who he was as a person. And with uh, another season coming down the pike here, uh, I think there's going to be even more wonderful stories to explore before he falls. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to rewatching it. We're looking forward to the new season that's going to be coming up as Clone Wars have been saved, apparently. So that's exciting. <laughs> Yeah, and with the announcement of Season 7, there's supposed to be more Ahsoka stories, uh, which I think we're all looking forward to as well. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So the last thing I want to mention in regards to Ahsoka, and it kind of ties in with our episode last week regarding the lightsabers, is that Ahsoka was one of the Jedi who eventually uh, wielded dual lightsabers. Uh, She did not start out that way uh, early on in the Clone Wars and when she first became uh, Anakin's Padawan learner. uh, She only had one lightsaber, uh, which had a green blade. But later on in the series, she ended up developing a style uh, that was very unique to her, uh, and it employed a offhand or shoto lightsaber, which is the shorter lightsaber blade. Um, and shorter grip, and that had a yellowish-green color to it. And the other unique thing about her fighting style was that she used a reverse grip on both of those lightsaber blades, so the blades kind of stuck out behind her, and as she attacked, it was more of a slashing attack, um, which was uh, very unique to her and identified her really throughout uh, the whole Clone Wars series. She really has a very athletic and acrobatic uh, fighting style. It's almost like a larger, in some ways, like a larger version of, you remember, Yoda uh, in his battle. Oh, yes. and, I knew and, you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, it's very similar to that. I mean, well, obviously, she's a bit taller than him. <laughs> she doesn't quite bounce around as much, but it is kind of a similar style. And it's it's really interesting to watch her fight. And she did, yes, battle some big name, right. very imposing foes and held her own most times. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and I think that those opponents that she faced over the course of the Clone Wars, uh, in a lot of ways, kind of helped develop the fighting style that she became known for. Uh, you know, she she had to rely on the gifts and the abilities that she had uh, against what typically were stronger and and uh, more powerful opponents. And and I think that basically came out in the fighting style that she evolved. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when we see this from many different Jedi, they all seem to have a bit of a specialty to their abilities within to, to use the Force, to manipulate the Force, and definitely part of her was having this athletic, this real fighting skill, right. this lightsaber skill uh, that I think was uh, really impressive. I mean, it's it's really, I mean, her battles are some of the more amazing battles you'll see on any of the right. films or the animated shows. Yep, I totally agree. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to throw in for the spoiler-free portion of the show? I know it's uh, it, there's not a lot we can go into without really getting into some detail, but... Um, right. I think when she first showed up and how her appearance was, it seemed from a female perspective that it kind of drew away, like, is she really going to be a serious character or is she just kind of eye candy here? And I thought that they did a really good job of listening to viewers and, you know, kind of softening that and at least to, you know, make her a little bit more, I'm not trying to sound prudish or anything like that, but it just, that was my first impression of her. It's like, wow, she's just very scantily dressed and I didn't know where they were going to go with her on this and then it seemed like she evolved and that that didn't seem to be the focus and she was a little you know snippy you know when they, <laughs> they nicknamed her snips and it was yeah. appropriate for a while because she was very snippy a lot of the times and i think right. it off it put a lot of people off to begin True. with but they they went through this show they developed her she grew as a padawan as a jedi right. and i think that uh, her evolution also took place in what she wore and how she acted on the show right right that's true 
Yeah, and I'm not surprised that that is how they initially presented her. As I mentioned early in the show, you know, the Togruta are very similar to the Twi'leks in a lot of ways. And when you see the Twi'leks uh, within the Star Wars universe, they're dancing. They're, you know, mm-hmm. even the Twi'lek Jedi are dressed uh, fairly provocatively. And, you know, it's just, it just seems to be a style that's associated with that species more than anything that's intended to be um, about, you know, being evocative, I guess. Right. No, I, I think they, like I said, I think they did a great job. It, it was just, um, when she first came on, I wasn't sure she was, how much they were going to have her on and how serious of a character she would be. And she's, you know, one of my favorites. Yeah. And Michelle wasn't the only one. There was a lot of people that didn't really like her as a character to begin with. And it did take some, uh, some evolution and, uh, people getting to know her. And then eventually, like I said, you know, she's become one of Michelle's favorites. Definitely. She's definitely one of my favorites. And Rob, I know she's one of your favorites as well. Absolutely. And what I would say, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with that that thought process is uh, the Clone Wars movie got some Mm. kind of rough reviews. Um, I think it was kind of trying to find itself a little bit. Uh, But if you watch that and if it's not something that really connects with you, still give the the regular Clone Wars series Mm -hmm. a try because it finds its its identity very quickly. And um, it's a really nice mix of, you know, serious and dramatic episodes and then kind of some playful episodes to break it up. Um, And it's something that you can definitely binge watch. I mean, there's five full seasons and then kind of a sixth partial season out there. Um, So don't, don't base your judgment just on the Clone Wars movie alone. It's not a bad it's not a bad uh movie at all but um you know there are definitely things that they improve in the series i think the problem with that being released as a movie as it was into the theaters was that it was it seemed like it was three episodes of the clone wars kind of pieced together into this movie whereas if they they had been released uh in similar fashion just as the lead into the clone wars i think it would have been accepted in a much different way i mean it was still been like a pilot for a show that was still trying to uh gain its traction gain its feet its footing um and and, uh, but instead, they decided to put it in a theater, and so then it's rated on a completely different level than sure. what than everything else. Yeah, and I think it's uh, it's also a situation where anytime you have new voices uh, taking mm-hmm. on roles that you associate mm-hmm. with other people, it kind of in your mind it takes a little while to adjust to that. But it, they they slide into that very quickly, and, and Obi Wan and Anakin uh, become very familiar voices in your head. Right. Yeah. Uh, some of our favorite uh, Star Wars ever scenes take place in the Clone Wars. Highly recommend you watch that if you haven't watched it in the past. Yep. And I think that's advice we would all give. Uh, definitely, mm-hmm. if you're interested, get out there, watch the Clone Wars, uh, watch Star Wars Rebels. If it uh, you know sounds like something you'd be interested in, uh, the book Ahsoka is not a long read, and it, it, mm-hmm. it is uh, a very good storyline to kind of tie those two uh, animated series together. So, Uh, I think with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up the non-spoiler portion of the show. Um, For those of you who don't want to have anything spoiled, this would be a good time to stop. I'm not going to be doing news stories this week. We have Star Wars Celebration coming up. And uh, end of the week, we're going to be putting out uh, daily updates to give you the updates on what's been going on at Star Wars Celebration. So we were going to use that for the news this week. And uh, we will see you next week. All right. For those of you who are choosing to stay and delve into the spoiler portion of the show, uh, we're going to start it off with a clip that uh, Tom was kind enough to put together, which should give you a little bit of a feel for who Ahsoka is and uh, the relationship she had with Anakin. I'm the new Padawan learner. I'm Ahsoka Tano. 
reckless, little one. You never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan, but you might make it as mine. I admit Ahsoka is a little rough around the edges, but with a great deal of training and patience, she might amount to something. Not bad, Jedi. I did it, miss. General Grievous. <laughs> He's just another tinny, boys. Let's scrap him like the rest. survive and not only that i was able to lead others to survive as well i don't know what to say i do thank you master you have to prove you're innocent the only way we can do that is by going back i don't know who to trust never let anyone hurt you so never but you need to come back and make your case to the council no Jedi Order is your life. You can't just throw it away like this. Ahsoka, you are making a mistake. Maybe. But I have to sort this out on my own. Without the Council. And without you. I understand. More than you realize, I understand wanting to walk away from the Order. I know. I was beginning to believe I knew who you were behind that mask. Could never be as vile as you. Anakin Skywalker was weak. I destroyed him. Then I will avenge his death. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. All right. So uh, that was uh, a lovely clip that Tom had thrown together. Tom, thank you so much for doing that. I know that was uh, hours out of your day. My pleasure. I, I, I got to go visit some of our favorite clips from Ahsoka and put that together. So that was great. Unfortunately, there were probably some of those that were fairly emotional. So uh, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit here. You know me, anything emotional happens. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, I think I think some of those scenes are going to make us all a little bit emotional. So, uh, you know, in regards to Ahsoka Tano, uh, probably the first thing that we're going to do is cover her time with Anakin and the Jedi during the Clone Wars. Um, It's the most natural place to start. Right off the bat, the most important thing with Ahsoka is in her relationship with Anakin as as his Padawan, uh, they were both responsible for saving each other's lives numerous times over the course of the Clone Wars. Um, so that may be the first way that she could be responsible for Anakin's fall to the dark side. <laughs> had he not survived the Clone Wars, uh, yeah. you know, we, we may have had a completely different story told. Uh, but, you know, as we mentioned in the earlier portion of the show, the Battle of Christophus uh, was the battle in which she was assigned as Anakin's Padawan by Yoda. And uh, actually, after that battle, they had another mission where they were sent off to retrieve uh, Rhoda the Hutt who was uh, Jabba's nephew, I believe. I think that's right. Yeah. And so um, as a part of that mission, uh, they were able to successfully retrieve uh, Rhoda, and they had to get him back to Jabba. Um, Unfortunately, Count Dooku was sent out to thwart them in that plan. And Anakin kind of took off on the side to distract Count Dooku and had Ahsoka and R2-D2 
tasked with taking uh, Rhoda back to Jabba. And during the process of that, she was attacked by a number of the Magna Guards. And for those of you who you know are familiar with the films, you'll recognize the Rhoda, the uh, Magna Guards. They were uh, General Grievous's bodyguards. Um, they kind of had the Electra staffs. And mm-hmm. really, uh, a few of those guards would have been a handful for any Jedi. And amazingly, you know, right off the bat, what we find out about Ahsoka is she can hold her own in a fight. Uh, she was able to defeat them and, and complete her quest. So um, that, I think, for many of us was the first sign that that here's someone who actually is worthy to be a, pa- a Padawan to Anakin Skywalker. Uh, and I think uh, that had a lot to do with really kind of gaining his respect fairly early on in their relationship. Yeah, I mean, he, she was able to hold her own, uh, has fighting skills yeah, that were not on the level to Anakin at that point. Obviously, she's still a Padawan, uh, but she did show that she is something to be reckoned with for sure. Absolutely. And I, I mean, and she is still being trained by him. So, I mean, and he's definitely skillful as well. And as we talked about with some of her other athletic skills, combining that it it really made for a good match mm-hmm. yeah and you know those fighting skills actually played into over the course of the clone Wars. she was responsible for saving any number of of jedi masters jedi knights um even some padawans and younglings um including anakin as we mentioned multiple times mm-hmm. uh oh, she pulled obi-wan's bacon off the fire <laughs> as well, times, more, yes. more than once um, but even her master Plo Koon, who was the, again, the Jedi master that found her master Luminara Unduli, who was another of the key Jedi and Isla Sakura, who was one of the Jedi who you see being executed during order 66. She's a <laughs> twilight <laughs> Jedi, um, would probably be the three that most people would be familiar with from the, from the movies. Um, so while she actually had her life saved, um, by both Anakin, Obi-Wan, other Jedi, uh, she was also, in in a lot of cases, it was against the orders of whoever she was with. Um, her headstrong nature uh, led to her saving a number of Jedi on a number of occasions. Yeah, she she always wanted to do what she felt was right, and sometimes it would go against the order of the uh, the Jedi's, her master of Anakin, of Obi Wan. But she wanted to do what she thought was right, and you know sometimes it got her into trouble. But other like as we just went through that list of of really brilliant Jedi that she saved uh, she, she it would come on the right side of what her decision was many often. Yeah, ironically, the the very next point that I had to talk about was um, a scenario uh, during the Battle of Ryloth, which is the Twi'lek homeworld. Uh, she was actually given her first command um, of a squadron of clone troopers uh, that were going to uh, engage in a starfighter attack against some of the Separatist forces. And when they started that mission, uh, they were ambushed by four Separatist frigates. Um, and she was ordered by both Anakin and Admiral Yularen, who was the the admiral that was running their task force uh, to retreat based on the fact that they had been ambushed. And she felt so strongly that they should continue the attack. She decided to press on directly disobeying those orders and ended up getting most of the clone troopers in her command uh, killed in the process. So um, (laughs) she got back to the ship. And the first thing that happens is Anakin reprimands her for disobeying a direct order. Uh, which I kind of thought was ironic, considering that Anakin was the, <laughs> all the, time. the king of disobeying orders. Right. Um, but, you know, to her credit, I mean, even very early on as a as a young Padawan, um, she accepted full responsibility for her actions. She felt deeply guilty about it. 
later on uh, during a different attack, she was once again placed in command and actually uh, was able to take the lessons that she had learned and do well by the the clone troopers in her care. And they were able to successfully uh, liberate the planet from Count Dooku's control. So uh, kind of a a little bit of a a negative or a a setback for her, um, but she was able to turn that around very quickly and uh, basically learn her lesson and apply that toward victory later. Yeah, obviously unfortunate that it costs so many lives of so many cloned troopers, but it's a lesson that she had to go through, I think, you know, that sometimes, yes, you can do these things, you can think you're doing the right thing, but there is a time to fight and there is a time to run away. Well, and sadly, it's, there's the issue of casualties of mm-hmm. war, yeah. right? you know, and to me, this also, of course, I'm going to bring in my favorite movie, you know, Rogue One, um, but <laughs> kind of parallels that. I mean, they were ordered not to move on forward with mm-hmm. that. And Jin and Cassian still, they knew what they, they it was knew, right. They knew what right, they needed they to do, doing what they felt was right. You know, and it was, it was a very important situation. And, and I think that's what we see here too, that when you're in battle, you have to make some decisions that may not be as apparent to the people who are giving you orders Mm -hmm. because they're not there. Yeah, I, I, one of the things about Rogue One um, that I was actually a little disappointed in was in the trailers, one of the lines that Jen Erso gives when she's uh, kind of having her actions thrown in her face by Mon Mothma as they're recruiting <laughs> her, but she says, I rebel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that really in a lot of ways would encompass Anakin's outlook on things, you know, and Ahsoka's as well, where they felt like the orders they were being given um were not the right thing to do. They generally did not have a problem setting those orders aside. And, you know, obviously there were times where that backfired on them, but they also did a lot of good uh, by pressing forward with what they felt was right. Yeah. Uh, more often than not, actually, that they, they would come through and fight through these orders that they would get from whomever within the Jedi Council. And th- it would be on the right end of it when it's all said and done. And that's, again, we listed all those Jedi, all those Jedi masters that Ahsoka has saved and a lot of that times that was because she bucked the system true yeah the other thing to point out about the clone wars and that's specifically uh, important for this conversation is there were a number of jedi who considered the clones a lot like the the battle droids of the separatists mm-hmm, i mean mm-hmm. they felt like they were less than human which seems like an unusual thing for you know for an outlook for a jedi to have but uh, both with anakin and ahsoka one of the other things that they very much had in common was they you know valued the lives of every trooper in their uh in their command and and the right. troopers recognized that and really would fight all the harder for it yeah, they respected them as individuals. Sure. They they really you know got to know them because they did have yes they were clones of each other. They looked alike, but you could see that they, they would do different things with their hair, with tattoos, right. different things with their uniforms, anything to kind of make them stand out. And Anakin and Ahsoka took that both in and realized these are individuals. They are different personalities, and really it, it struck home with them. And I think we saw that later on in Rebels when you know she has such a close bond right. with with Rex. Yeah, and so immediately following um, the Battle of Ryloth, one of the very next battles that uh, Ahsoka had participated in with Obi-Wan and Anakin uh, was the Battle of Felucia. They were uh, tasked there with leading their clone troopers uh, in battle against the Separatists, but they were vastly outnumbered in this particular scenario. And actually, Master Plo Koon had been sent to evacuate them, and Ahsoka chose to, again, ignore uh, instructions to retreat from 
uh, both Anakin and Obi-Wan. She eventually relented, boarded the troop transport with Anakin, and the clone turbo tank that she had been fighting on moments after she uh, left it to, to board the <laughs> transport was destroyed. So that was a little bit of a wake up call for her, I think. You know, right. she she came that close to being killed very early on in her uh, apprenticeship to Anakin Skywalker, and as a result of that, she was actually taken back to Coruscant. Um, she was called back by the Jedi High Council and brought before them to answer for her actions. And uh, you know, to his credit, Anakin tried to uh, take the brunt of the responsibility for that, essentially saying that he'd given her too much freedom, uh, but. The council saw right through that, and as a result of her action, she was sent to work at the Jedi Temple Archives, so that's near and dear to our hearts, to work alongside Master Jocasta New. So this would be something that we referred to the very first week of this podcast. Um, It was intended to kind of give her some time to reflect on her actions and her disobedience, um, and they were hoping that she would, uh, when she was put back in the field, be a little bit more mindful of of what she was doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I Sometimes you got to get regrounded. You got to understand a little more of the history. Understand, yes, you've you've had some successes. Some things have gone right for you, but right. you also need to every once in a while take a step back and reassess the situation. You know, and the, the archives is the perfect place to see what's come before you and know your place within this giant universe and within right. the Jedi Order itself. And to reflect on it, and mm-hmm. you know, and like you said, Rob. I mean, Anakin was trying to take some, kind of the brunt of it, saying that he felt like maybe he did give her too much freedom and and maybe that was true and having her take that time to really reflect on that and you know say as a as a new somebody just getting new command or whatever you might be a little bit you know maybe take that authority a Mm -hmm. little bit further than what people thought you would at first and you just need to to grow into the leadership role yeah and anakin's you know mentoring style was more along the lines of do as I say, not as I do, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I think we all know what the result of that's going to be when you do that in front of a 14 year old, um, right. you know, <laughs> they're, they're picking up all the nonverbals too. So, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, as you mentioned, he, his approach to mentoring her was giving her a lot of mixed signals. Um, right. He chose to ignore orders and do what he felt was right. That often worked out for him. Uh, I think she, kind of felt like she had to hold herself to that standard and it was kind of how she was wired in the first place so i think it was uh the path of least resistance for her yeah totally 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 agree with you so in in regards to what you said earlier about the uh, the Jedi archives being the perfect place for her to have that time to you know You'd give think. some introspection <laughs> to her life, unfortunately uh, things did not really work out that way. Very shortly after she was assigned to the Jedi Temple archives, wait, this was, it wasn't a, a series of episodes about <laughs> Ahsoka the librarian or anything. No, you know, no. she's shushing people in there. <laughs> yeah. Did they have the Dewey decimals? I, yeah. I was just gonna say they you know they they tasked her with. Uh, with reorganizing all the documents in the in the archive now actually um shortly after she was assigned to the to the archive um there was an attack on the archive by a bounty hunter named cad bane and another called uh cato parasiti um now cato parasiti isn't somebody or even cad bane for that matter would be familiar with from the films but uh cato parasiti particularly was a claudite and you would be familiar with that species in uh star wars 
episode two attack of the clones zam wessel the assassin that was tasked with killing padme was a claudite um they're also called changelings um essentially what happened there was Cato parasiti came in uh was able to subdue jocasta new and take on her form while cad bane was off uh, attempting to steal one of the jedi holocrons and this job was given to them by darth sidious so he basically kind of gave them a map of the archive and and the access that they'd need to break in there but during the process of this raid ahsoka caught on to the plot um was able to subdue uh Cato parasiti and unfortunately was unable to stop cad bane who was able to make off with one of the Jedi holocrons. And he later uh, retrieved a Kyber memory crystal, which had a listing of all four sensitive children in the galaxy and later was able to capture Ahsoka and kind of used her as leverage against Anakin to get him to open the Jedi holocron because that can't be opened by anyone who's not a force sensitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the combination of that and the Kyber memory crystal gave him access to this list of force sensitive children, which then he used to start kidnapping some Force-sensitive children, uh, which was all part of Darth Sidious's plot. So, you know, Anakin and Ahsoka, not ones to give up, were eventually able to track him down. Um, they were able to retrieve the children. They were able to uh, capture Cad Bane. And uh, unfortunately, when they returned to Coruscant, they discovered he'd already escaped. Uh, but this was proof that even when Ahsoka was taken off the front lines and put in this quiet position where she was supposed to have time to, to think on her actions, she gets drawn right back into the fight uh, and is right back off Galileo vanning around the galaxy with Anakin again. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, you know, it's interesting. You talked about Darth Sidious being put, putting this plan in motion, uh, and I think that uh, what, this is going to be kind of a a running theme throughout this with Ahsoka is that I think that he very often, at least to begin with, uh, underestimates her, okay. but then understands what she is and what is going on and then realizes he needs to shift the plans against her and right. to uh, try and get Anakin into the fold, essentially. And I know we talked about that um, on your podcast a couple of weeks ago when we were going over uh, Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom mm-hmm. Menace. So again, for anyone listening to this podcast, if you have not taken the time to check out the Hyperion Adventures podcast, they have a lot of great information about Disney and Disney-related topics, but they're also doing a, a series on Star Wars Remembered, um, which I've been guesting on kind of breaking down all of the Star Wars movies in order. Um, we're going to be doing Attack of the Clones a little later this month, so check yeah, that out. Weeks, yeah. Yep. Um, but, I, you know, I totally agree. Uh, the one thing that Palpatine, i.e. Darth Sidious, is known for is the fact that his plans don't always go off without a hitch, but he is the master of adjusting to the situation mm-hmm. as it right. presents itself. And I definitely agree. Uh, Ahsoka was an X factor for him. Um, it, was a, it, it was definitely a, a, a monkey wrench thrown into his plans that he had to uh, reassess and uh, decide to find another way to uh, deal with the situation for sure. Right. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier. I mean, it it's presented in the movies like there's very little resistance to his plans to turn Anakin to the dark side. But, you know, the whole of the Clone Wars with with Ahsoka being in the picture, it becomes clear to him that, you know, she is going to be a person that if she stays with Anakin, it's going to be very hard to twist his mind and turn him to his dark end. So. 
Uh, I agree that that ultimately what happens to Ahsoka within uh, the arc of the Clone Wars has a lot of Darth Sidious's hand in it. Yeah, we'll, we'll go in a little more of that as you go through some of this uh, information that we have. Uh, but uh, yes, I mean, she, she grounded him. Basically, yeah. she grounded him all right. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the next kind of major milestone within the Clone Wars that bears noting is the second battle of Geonosis, the first battle being uh, at the end of Attack of the Clones. You could actually see that in, in that film. But they end up returning to Geonosis to attack a droid factory that's uh, manufacturing battle droids there. And as part of that mission, uh, Ahsoka meets another Padawan to Jedi Master Luminara Unduli. And that Padawan's name is Barris Ophi, and that is an important uh, event within her life because the two of them end up undertaking a mission uh, to infiltrate that droid foundry and sabotage the reactor, in which they're successful, but unfortunately it ends up burying them underneath the, the wreckage of the droid factory itself. They escape into a separate super tank, uh, and they're alive under there. They survive, but... Everyone thinks, you know, no one could have possibly survived that. And the only person Mm -hmm. that is intent on making sure that they exhaust every possible opportunity to determine what happened to their Padawans is Anakin. I mean, he his loyalty to her, even at this point, still relatively early on in their relationship is is unshakable. uh, And he refuses to give up on her. And Ahsoka, through her own ingenuity, is able to actually kind of hotwire her comm link and, and get out a distress call. And they're saved um but she actually finds out from barris later that anakin had never given up on her and uh, that was really critical especially in the early development of their relationship yeah because they would often you know they would snippety one another you know and sometimes she would get frustrated with him and uh and sometimes she'd wonder i'm sure about uh, you know how what how are his feelings towards me am i just his padawan or does it but the, you know the fact that he was willing to believe in her so much and not give up and make sure that every stone was literally uh, uh, you know un, unturned you know it, it is uh it really just proved to her that he was the guy that you know that, that they, their bond was that strong right mm. well kind of like you compared it to a brother sister mm-hmm. you know very and, much and you know it, it seemed like that kind of gelled like you you're saying Rob very early on but it seemed like it was a it was a relatively seamless connection that they had yeah you, I, mean, I mean obviously <laughs> joking about each other too but I mean they were sniffing at each other but I mean but like brother and sister right right in, in many they regards, really were yeah. you know they really did become connected with a lot of their you know whether you talk about through their skills or their missions or whatever you know they they had that that relationship early on yeah it was it really turned into an unbreakable bond uh, mm-hmm. you, at least it felt like it was an unbreakable bond uh very mm-hmm. early on we'll we'll get into whether it was mm-hmm. or not later mm-hmm but uh, really, the next kind of major milestone, and this is really a huge one in the scope of the Clone Wars, is at one point, Anakin and Obi-Wan um, receive a what appears to be a 2,000-year-old distress signal. And so the two of them and Ahsoka track this distress signal down, and it leads them to a place called Mortis, which is not a world. It's not a planet. Um, it's actually a realm of the Force, which uh, you could only access if you're invited or brought in. Uh, through some mysterious means. And the realm of Mortis consists of this ever-changing landscape, which is overseen by three key beings. Um, It's the father, the son, and the daughter. 
So the son is essentially the embodiment of, of death and destruction. The daughter is the embodiment of creation and peace. And then the father is uh, like a balancing force between the two of them. And it turns out that the reason that they were brought here is that the father felt like his time was nearly at an end. And this is what really plays into the whole Jedi uh, prophecy of Anakin being the chosen one that was going Mm -hmm. to bring balance to the force. So uh, the father basically tells him, you know, you need to leave your life outside of this place and come here and take on the role of the father and be responsible for keeping balance between the son and the daughter, which are essentially representative of the, the two aspects of the force and of course anakin has got padme he's got ahsoka he has all these responsibilities outside of this place and and he cannot make that sacrifice um but this is really a very heavily symbolic uh Mm. series of episodes within the clone wars and this this place is really a fulcrum for the galaxy it's a conduit for the force and uh, you know, for Anakin to be asked to sacrifice his life was was unrealistic, probably never <laughs> something that he was going to agree to. Right. Um, and in the process of him being there, uh, there's a lot of conflict between the son and the daughter. And they're both trying to influence Anakin to side with them and tilt the force in their favor. Uh, and one of the ways that this gets used against Anakin as Ahsoka gets infected by the dark side, by the sun, Mm -hmm. um, actually to the point where she eventually dies and is later resurrected by the daughter whose name was Ashla, uh, who sacrificed her life to save Ahsoka. And really from that point on, uh, there is a creature called a convor, which is a bird-like creature. It's kind of a cross between a bird and an owl which you then see in later places throughout the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels um, that that exists within Ahsoka's presence. So there's kind of a hint that that uh, Ashla or some part of her spirit uh, attached itself to Ahsoka and it influences a lot of her behavior from that point on. It's really probably the deepest group of episodes that you saw from the Clone Wars. A really in-depth, interesting, uh, sort of theological in many regards. Uh, It was really a fascinating group and kind of seeing the Force as, you know, not just this non-living being, but, you know, kind of putting it into these persons, godlike creatures, it was really uh, just a fascinating way to go about it. And I mean, I think they, I think again, there's this mention of the prophecy of the chosen one mm-hmm. uh, that gets mentioned over and over in the films. And I, I feel like this was kind of, um, they were taking their opportunity to kind of lay in some of that. Um, to directly speak to it. Yeah, yeah. It's, right. it's their, it's their Star Wars force theology, I guess is probably the right. best way to put it. Right. So, you know, after the the Mortis trilogy, there's still a lot of adventures that that Ahsoka and Anakin and Obi-Wan engage in. Um, We're just going to call out a few of the the larger ones. Uh, First, she partakes in a mission uh, with a group of Jedi younglings uh, to go to the planet of Ilum, which we mentioned in last week's episode, to obtain the kyber crystals for those younglings. And they actually travel there aboard a ship called the Crucible, um, which it's you know heavily hinted at that this is kind of uh, a rite of passage for the Jedi. Mm -hmm. The the younglings are taken aboard this ship. There's a a droid that has all the knowledge ingrained in it. 
blueprint for how to construct a lightsaber. He has all kinds of components available aboard the ship, and he helps each of the students um, in selecting the the parts that should be part of their lightsaber. Uh, and then when they get to the planet of Ilum, uh, those younglings go into the crystal caves, and the portal into the crystal caves opens uh, at the beginning of the day, and they have until uh, you know a, a certain set amount of time to retrieve their crystal and make it back out before the portal ices back over. So once the students had gone in and retrieved their crystals, they would go back to the crucible and complete construction of their lightsaber. Um, and this whole arc ties in with uh, Hondo Onaka, who we mentioned mm-hmm. in earlier episodes. Uh, he and his band of pirates come uh, knowing that these students are going to have these kyber crystals and they're v- very valuable. Um, they Doesn't launch think they'll put up much of a fight. <laughs> of course not. Pretty I mean, much you know, younglings. Little yeah. does he know. Um, you know, so they engage in a raid against the ship, uh, manage to ultimately capture Ahsoka, who sacrifices herself to save the younglings. And uh, so the students end up coming to uh, Hondo and his gang's hideout and uh, posing as a group of performers to spring Ahsoka free. And uh, they were able to escape. So it was another great episode to show the bond uh, that Ahsoka formed really with everyone around her and mm-hmm. the self-sacrifice that she was willing to engage in in order to save others and how that kind of inspired the same type of behavior in them. Right. I mean, I think some other takeaways that I noticed was, again, it showed the younglings disobeying orders, you know, (laughs) try to go back and rescue her. Um, But it just her calmness in a situation that would, you know, seem devastating to most people when she was captive and she just, you know, remained calm. She kind of really remained true to her quirky personality too. I mean, you know, she wasn't going to let them rile her up at all. And, you know, she just, I, I just found that to be great, how strong she remained in that situation. Yeah. I mean, you really see how much she matured over right. the uh, couple seasons, a couple years of, of uh, growth within as a Padawan, as a Jedi, uh, really could see it and she you know, leading these younglings and basically one trying to keep them safe but also directing them into how to best uh, approach the situation that they're right. in which was a really harrowing situation uh, so it was, it was really really interesting and also interesting about this episode is that you know Rob last week you did the episode on lightsabers you actually showed how these lightsabers are built and how these younglings kind of uh, go about putting them together and everything I actually right. kind of think it's a little bit of a fascinating look into that world as well right absolutely um you know and again the the recurring theme that we keep coming back to here is as we mentioned uh ahsoka and her at times disdain for (laughs) for (laughs) orders um and the fact that that kind of gets engendered in in some of the people that she ultimately ends up leading i we won't go into uh, the episode specific to um there there is a period of time where she is kidnapped by uh the species called the Trandoshans mm-hmm. um, and Bosk from the Empire Strikes Back, who's one of the bounty hunters brought in by Darth Vader, uh, would be the Trandoshan that most people would be familiar with. But uh, they actually take her to their planet. Um, they are hunting, uh, kidnapping and hunting force sensitives kind of for game. Um, and there's a group of survivors on that planet and she takes on a leadership role with them and, and mm-hmm. eventually ends up saving that whole group. So, um, and, and in the process, she really kind of teaches them to to have confidence in their own abilities. So it's not just survival. It is inspiration. It is, you know, 
teaching other people to find the strength within each of them. Yeah, I think that's really, I mean, we've, we've talked about her fighting skills, but really, uh, in many ways, I feel that that's part of what makes her special is the fact that she can uh, be there inspiring those around her to do, to go beyond what they think they can do. And that includes Anakin in many times. I mean, Anakin thinks he can do a lot, but right. she uh, talks him into things, inspires him to do different things, grounds him in many ways, um, and just... Right, little looks and uh, and just a few words. She's really, really does that very well. Yeah, completely agree. Um, really, the only other kind of interlude type episode that I want to talk about is there is a period of time, and this ties into um, a character that we're going to be familiar with from Rogue One again, Michelle. <laughs> uh, but Ahsoka, it turns out, was instrumental in the training of a group of rebels on the planet Onderon, and that is where she ends up meeting. Uh, Saw Guerrera, who uh, we see kind of the the end of his life in Rogue One. Uh, But in this case, you meet him as a very young, idealistic rebel. He has a sister, Stila, that he is fiercely loyal to and protective of. Uh, Again, we won't go too far down the path of that, but you know, again, through the the process of watching the Clone Wars series as well as uh, Star Wars Rebels, uh, Saw Gerrera shows up in in a lot of those episodes as well. If that's a character that you're uh, interested in and uh, find to be someone who you'd like to know more about, uh, the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels are great for giving you more background on on his character. Yeah, he does pop up in a couple episodes, and it does give you, uh, kind of shows you what maybe led him on the path to be kind of a more extremist rebel than uh, most that you know. Um, What you've obviously uh, noticed from him in uh, Rogue One, of course. Right. Again, it's another one of those examples of how they kind of laid out a lot more information so that you can understand point A to point B in -hmm. somebody's life. Yeah, it's not really an uninterrupted story arc. It's definitely kind of snapshots in time. But every time you see him, he's a little bit more extreme and he's a little bit less human uh, as kind of parts of him (laughs) get uh, (laughs) chiseled off through his (laughs) rebel activities. All right. So right now what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and move on to kind of the the end of Ahsoka's story arc within uh, the Clone Wars. And that, again, ties back to her friendship with uh, the Padawan Barriss Ophi, who over the course of the Clone Wars, she has kind of become disillusioned with the Jedi, kind of feels like they've become too militaristic, uh, disconnected with the Force and, and are headed down a dark path. And she decides to take that to kind of an extreme end um, in that she hires someone to uh, perform a bombing in the Jedi Temple. And unfortunately, Ahsoka gets caught up in this because uh, Barris needs a, a fall guy, or in this case, a fall girl, um, for her actions. And Ahsoka is the one that has the attack ultimately get pinned on her, uh, causing her to initially be captured she is able to to get free of her uh, confines she thinks uh, anakin has set up uh, a way for her to escape in fact i think it's kind of implied that this is another one of sidious's plots oh yeah there's no question (laughs) for sure this is his big power play to kind of cut her free from anakin um so she ends up escaping despite anakin's plea to you know come with him and and he'd do anything to clear her and you know she could depend on him he'd never let anything bad happen 
happened to her. She ends up escaping into the Coruscant underworld um, in an attempt to kind of clear her name. It's kind of it's very much a, a fugitive kind of feel um, right. to it uh, with the Star Wars face on it. And so as she escapes into the Coruscant underbelly and she's going through the process of trying to clear herself, she falls in with a character uh, that you kind of meet early on in the Clone Wars uh, named Asajj Ventress, who at one point is Count Dooku's um, Sith apprentice. So as we often see in many of the Star Wars movies, even though there's a rule of two with the Sith, the master and apprentice, uh, it always (laughs) seems the master kind of has a backup plan and the apprentice is training (laughs) their apprentice. So, um, you know, Asajj Ventress is Dooku's kind of... uh, card in the hole i guess um but at this point she has fallen out of favor with dooku he would rather have her killed and she has taken on uh, a responsibility or has taken on the job of a bounty hunter and she and ahsoka end up working together but ahsoka later makes the the mistake of contacting barris uh, who she still trusts uh, it doesn't understand that Barris is the one that set her up and oh, right. Barris then feeds the information back to the Jedi and Anakin in particular about where to find her. And uh, she ends up getting recaptured and put on trial and she comes very close to being found guilty of sedition and, and killed. And that was only stopped by the fact that, that Anakin was able to winnow out that Barris was involved and get her to confess. So the end result of this whole story arc within the series is that the, you know the Jedi feel terrible. They cast Ahsoka out of the Order when it looked like she was guilty, and clearly this is another instance where the dark side was clouding their vision. Uh, and they're very apologetic. Master Plo Koon says, "You know, we we should have never doubted you." Uh, and Master Yoda tells her that she's welcome back into the Order with their apologies, and that this turned out to be nothing more than you know the Force providing a test for her. And there's a very kind of heart-rending moment in the series where Ahsoka has to face the fact that, you know, she's loyal to a fault, really. And uh, she did not have that reciprocated by the Jedi, and she kind of feels like she has no attachment to them. She doesn't uh, feel the connection that she once felt. And she ends up deciding to go her own way, um, refuses to rejoin the Jedi Order, and and uh, leaves despite Anakin's pleas to stay. Yeah, it really was. It really spoke to a lot of what we saw from the Jedi Order at the uh, through these films, through the prequels, uh, that uh, they were not seeing things the way they should be. They were very much, their judgment was very much clouded. They sometimes were very arrogant in their own beliefs and, you know, in many regards it came, I I think she'd seen a little bit of this to begin with and we know Anakin had seen a little bit of this um, but it came very true to her when it was really right in her own backyard, so to speak, where it was really affecting her directly that uh, there's different stuff going on here and I don't belong here. I need to rethink what I'm what I believe at this point because this is what I've believed for so long. But this has shown me a completely different way. And so she decides she has to leave and kind of ponder the situation. Right. You know, and, and it kind of also shows that, you know, she is reflecting on if she does return, where does she where does she play into this? Because she now is having some doubts. I mean, she is still relatively young and impressionable too. And and needs to kind of, you know, reflect on what does this all mean, and and also just dealing with the fact that people that you 
feel like you've given everything to and supported in every sense of the way, even when you might have had doubts, are now totally doubting you. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just mildly, but just totally feel, you know, that you're guilty. And that's a wound that's hard to just totally reverse and go say, okay, yeah, here here I am. We're all good. It's all good. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for the apology. I I think she's also struggling with the fact that Jedi High Council, uh, you know, is seen by many Jedi as, you know, this this bastion of wisdom Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. their their leadership is, you know, is very clear and unquestionable. And what really gets exposed throughout the Clone Wars is that, you know, they're incredibly fallible. Their vision is not what it once was. Um, They're failing to see things clearly. And in response to that, there's a lot of questioning as to whether they can truly lead any of them down the path to where they need to be. And Ahsoka is one of the few that that really decides to take that to the next level and refuses to go on as a Jedi. But in that uh, that goodbye scene, even Anakin himself, you know, says that I understand your feelings right. on this because I feel the same way too. And and she agrees with them. I says I know you feel that way. Right, right. Um, you know that that is the situation. And so it's not. It's it's kind of like that bond that they have between the two of them. They're both kind of seeing this, but Anakin can't pull that trigger. He's still got Padme there. You know, with within right. Coruscant, with not ready to go away from this. Not ready to go from away from responsibility yet. But uh, this was just laid right out there for. Uh, uh, Soka and she needed to do something about it and rethink what is going on with yes, her right. life. Yeah. Right. Well, and it goes back to the very reason that Anakin was given a Padawan in the first place, right? His attachment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in this case, you know, it's very clear that he has attachment issues with the Jedi Order, even though he disagrees with many of their decisions. And, you know, especially uh, not long after this, you know, the decision to allow him on the council is uh, Palpatine's agent, but not mm-hmm. grant him the title of master. He just he did not know how to let that go. And Ahsoka clearly had learned how to do that, you know, and it was the right path for her. And and I think as we get into some more of her story, we're not going to do it in this episode. I I know we're kind of running long as it is, but uh, there is an entire other story for Ahsoka after she walks away from the Jedi Order. Uh, As Tom mentioned, it is it is definitely one of the most emotional scenes in any oh, in yeah. any I'm Star watching Wars. it again wrecked me the other day. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get chills just thinking about it, and I've I've looked at some of the clips as well. Um, the sound clip that we opened up this spoiler review of Ahsoka with has some of the clips in it. Um, but really, if you watch the full drawn out scene, it's it's very emotional. You know, Anakin's mm-hmm. heart mm-hmm. is broken. She is one of the three most important women in his life. His his mother was the first. Uh, she died. He felt like he should have been able to save her, and he wasn't. Um, then he develops this very strong bond with Ahsoka, and despite Anakin doing everything he could to expose that she was actually innocent, uh, and while he was successful in that, he ultimately wasn't able to to um, you know keep her in the Jedi order, you know, she felt like she had to walk away from that. And then later we end up with the issues that he goes through with Padme and feeling like he has to do something to keep her from dying in childbirth and, you know, his inability to ultimately do that. So, uh, he is very unlucky with the the key women in his life, and yeah. I think each, each of them really plays an equal part in, in his fall to the dark side. Yeah. I, obviously, and in, in every single one of these was set in motion by Palpatine, by Darth right. Sidious, in many regards. And you got to wonder if, if somehow 
she had been able to find off if she had stayed around. Now, there's no way for her to know this, but if if Ahsoka had stayed, I, I, I tend to believe that things might have gone completely differently. Of course, Palpatine would have adapted and right, tried to find another way to get rid of her, but, it, you know, it, it was it was coming to that head at that point uh, within uh, the Clone Wars and within the Star Wars universe itself that, that Palpatine, Sidious, knew that something needed to be done. Right, right. Something, like you said, something else would have happened, you know. But, I mean, you can definitely understand her situation, but even from Anakin's perspective, when you are a mentor to somebody your expectation is you're you're getting them to a better level and you're kind of guiding them off to replicate what you may have started or you know move forward and that's totally not what ended up happening with his with him being a mentor and so again it's like the loss of her a sense of failure definitely hitting onto those emotions Although I think you could also make the argument that, you know, as a parent and having, ch- you know, children, your success as a parent is ultimately your children are going to leave the nest. They're going to go out in the world and fend for themselves and go their own way and do what they feel is the right thing to do. And in that regard, I mean, if you look at the relationship between he and Ahsoka that way, he had created he had created um, a person, not just a Jedi, who was firm in their convictions and they felt like they knew what was right and wrong. And she was she felt strong strong enough in herself to be able to walk away from the only family that she'd ever known. And, you know, and as, as far as she goes, he was far more successful than he gave himself credit for. That's Definitely. that's true. But yeah, I mean, that was always the case with Anakin that, you know, he was doing good things. He, he was succeeding, but there was always this doubt in his mind. There was always right. something that I'm a failure. I'm not doing enough, whatever the case may be. And, and that's the, that's the dark side creeping in that right. we always saw with him throughout his life. Right. I mean, it seemed like a lot of times he felt people were judging him, but it seems like a lot of times he was judging himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, as I mentioned, there's there's a lot more to Ahsoka's story uh, that takes place outside the Clone Wars. There's actually some additional Clone Wars stories uh, tied to Ahsoka that are going to be coming out. Uh, at least that's the, the word we're hearing for um, Clone Wars Season 7, hashtag Clone Wars Saved. Yes. So uh, we have that to look forward to. Um, but I, I think we'll hold off on those for another time. I don't want to I don't want to go too much longer. Um, again, if you have the opportunity please watch the clone wars really excellent stuff out there um and follow that up by uh, watching star wars rebels if you do nothing else because that is an incredible animated series um i feel like in a few months here we're going to have more new star wars uh shows to watch than we know what to do with so <laughs> that's true <laughs> do it now yeah, while you have that time Tom, Michelle, uh, thank you guys so much for joining me this week. Um, if you guys would like to go ahead and just give the information for your podcast and how you guys can be found, uh, we're definitely going to have viewers that uh, are going to be interested in your episodes, both on Star Wars as well as um, with all the new Star Wars content coming to the Disney parks. A lot of your Disney park uh, information is going to be useful. Sure, yeah. You can find us. We're a Hyperion Adventures podcast. You can find us pretty much everywhere you find podcasts, including Rob's great uh, Jedi Temple Archives podcast here. Uh, we're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And uh, you can also find us on social media as well, at Hyperion Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Awesome information. Definitely check them out. They have a great show, tons of great information. And, uh, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to guest on their show on a handful of occasions. We always have a great time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
in regards to our podcast, obviously you were able to find us. Uh, we're also available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We're also on Pocket Casts and a handful of other uh, platforms. So if you prefer to listen to your podcast on a platform that I did not mention, feel free to drop us a line. We can be contacted at jtapodcast at gmail.com and also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Pinterest at JTA Podcast. If you do like the show, please feel free to give us a review. Let us know. Um, reach out to us if you have any tips on how we can improve or topics you might be interested in listening to in a future show. But with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Have a wonderful day and may the force be with you.